Hello and welcome to Two Peds in a Pod, the medical education podcast from the Children's Emergency Department in Derby. I'm your host again, Ian Lewins. Um, and I'm really pleased to be joined today uh, by Angela Thompson, who's the lead specialist midwife for bereavement support here in Derby. Uh, good morning, Angela. How are you? Hello, I'm good, thank you. Um, so we, we wanted to do this podcast today because it's the end of um, Babe Loss Awareness Week. So thank you for for joining us today okay. on the, the end of it um i guess my first question was how do you get involved uh, to become a specialist bereavement midwife um for me it was a natural progression really because i'd been a midwife on labor ward for many years and uh, as part of the work on labor ward we have a bereavement suite so we do have to care for families that have come in having lost a baby so i was very used to providing that care mm. Um, at some point I was um, asked to volunteer for the local funeral directors to do bereavement support in the community. So I did that as a, as a second role, um, completely aside from the NHS, and mm. learnt very much more about the grieving process, more than I'd ever learnt before, uh, and the impact on um, people, individuals, when they've had a bereavement and how long it takes to learn to accommodate that loss in your life. So I felt that... Um, I was learning more and more through providing bereavement support in the community and went and worked um, as a full-time bereavement nurse for them eventually. Right. Um, but within that year, the role came up here for bereavement specialist midwife. And as I still was a midwife, it felt like the right thing to apply for that role. And I was successful in the post. So now I have the best of both because I work as a midwife um, and I also give the bereavement support, which I'm really passionate about and feel that I've had so much more knowledge and education over the last three years through working alongside a funeral director. Do any of your colleagues look at you and go, why on earth would you want to do something that's so emotionally challenging? Because, uh, you know, birth should be about happiness and, and I guess what you deal with is must be so tough. I think um, you just have to remember that even when it's really, really tough, it's not your loss and it's not mm. your grief. So you have to find a way to learn, to find your own coping strategies, to be there to support the parents and not take their grief from them um, and not own it for yourself. So although it's really sad, you find something within yourself to, and I think it comes with age and experience right. that you learn that it's not about you and how you're feeling. It really is about them. And somehow that manages to protect you. But people do say, yes, how could you do that job? Mm. And I think, how could you not? Right. Good answer. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you sort of get involved with families who sort of, how do you get to hear about there, there are sort of either families coming in or families who are here how does how does it work it comes through referrals sometimes so a lot of the referrals I get are from fetal medicine where there's been a problem with the pregnancy and for one reason or another that pregnancy then ends um, it comes through the pregnancy assessment unit mm. if somebody arrives and there's been um, a stillbirth an intrauterine fetal death, it comes from gynae. So sometimes the gynae nurses will refer a lady that's had a late miscarriage. And some are self-referrals. They can be historical. I've had a lady who was in her 70s who um, had never had the time to grieve for a little boy that she lost mm -hmm. 50 years ago. So some of them are, 
are historical too. So I'm kind of open to to anybody really who feels that they need the support. It's supposed to be from 16 weeks gestation, mm. but if somebody was to find me under 16 weeks, then I would I would take their referral from yeah. them too. Because I, I, that was you kind of read yes. my mind. That was kind of the next question: is is there a limit? You know, ladies who unfortunately have very very early losses. Do they get involved with you or, or less so? Less so, sadly, that's through organisational structure, really, because um, we work with the National Bereavement Care Pathway guidance and the guidance is that anybody that's had a loss of a baby through either pregnancy or after birth should have the same quality of bereavement care. Um, so we're going to be working on that because you know people that have had early miscarriages can feel the pain just as much mm. as somebody who's lost a baby within the first year of of life, mm. and we have to acknowledge that. Okay, and do you do you sort of get introduced or do you introduce yourself to these families? How how does it sort of practically work, or does it vary from person to it person? It really varies, and. For me, the worst case is when I have to cold call somebody, somebody that's maybe been through the unit over the weekend, so I've not had a chance mm. to go and introduce myself. And then to make that first contact by telephone feels not very nice, but, but somehow we manage to, to chat about it over the phone and work out whether they do need bereavement support or not. If I am in the hospital and a lady comes in, then I'll always be called to go and meet her. And likewise, through fetal medicine, if somebody's got a tentative pregnancy and we're not sure whether that pregnancy is going to continue or there might be a palliative care pathway come from that pregnancy, then I'll get introduced quite early on and we'll work together um, until the birth and beyond. Mm. And how do sort of people react in that? Those people who are sort of, those ladies who are still pregnant. Yes. But they're meeting the bereavement wedrife. How how does how do people react to that? That must be. It's very varied, and sometimes I feel like I'm a bit of a magpie. I'm a bit of a bad luck looking person. Mm-hmm. Um, so it very much depends on the person themselves and the couple. If they very much feel that they've recognised what's happening and they know they need support, then it's very welcomed. Mm. If people are still trying to hold out some hope, um, then I'm the last person they want to see. So it's varied as to whether people accept my service, depending on where they are themselves in that journey. Mm. And I, I guess that was sort of another thought in my mind was, do all the people that referred to you accept your help and support or how often do you get told to get lost yeah (laughs) (laughs) well not everybody obviously wants support um what i've noticed in the year and a half that i've been doing this role is that culturally we're very different so um some um some of the population will definitely want support and they'll want it for a long time and then there'll be different types of cultures that look at baby loss in a very different way to what we do and and then it's about having that respect and learning to step back and allowing people to just go forward by themselves with what they would do normally for them as a culture Mm. okay um thinking then about your role Mm. um sounds slightly odd but what is it that you actually do what do for I these do? Fa- yeah, for these for these families. How do you get involved? So it can be emotional support. It can be clinical support. So my role is very varied mm. in that um, mostly it's emotional support, either antenatally, 
or postnatally. Sometimes I get involved with the delivery and the birth. So an example where I get involved is um, recently we've had cases where there's been twins and one twin has demised early on in pregnancy and the other twin has obviously gone on to term. Um, these twins have to be both born mm. and I will be there to take the second twin at birth to 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 look after that baby and to to then show the parents when they're ready if they want to see mm. the baby and then to work out what happens with the baby next so there can be some clinical aspects of my role um, I do a lot of networking so working with outside charities mm. I work with um, Embrace doing some data reporting and I work with CDOP, the Child yep. Death Overview Panel. So there's a there's a lot of variance to my job and every day is completely different. So I can put something in my diary and then the whole day can change by maybe one lady coming in quite unexpectedly mm. and then needing to go and support not just the, the family themselves but often the midwives as well mm. because, you know, for them to try and give the clinical and the emotional support. They will need support themselves. Yeah. Um, so this is a very personal podcast for me. Because right. uh, we had a, uh, my wife and I had a little girl born uh, very prematurely who didn't survive. I'm sorry to hear And the, the bereavement midwife and the whole midwife team were absolutely fantastic and really looked after as well. And we really, really appreciated it. Um, but I think one of the things that we found was it was sort of the simple practicalities of things that we struggled with that right. that you would never plan for. How do you arrange a funeral and those sorts of things? And and is it's that sort of thing that we found really helpful. Is right. that your sort of experience of it's practical things that people need help with as well? Yes, often um, when I do speak to people when they've gone home, often it is the practical things that mm. they first and foremost want some help with because there's something to do and that needs some assistance with. And we're very fortunate here in Derby that we have a really good bereavement team in the fact that we've got um, chaplains and a bereavement office staff mm. that will then arrange the funerals for the families if there's been a stillbirth and takes all that responsibility and that weight from them. If it's a neonatal death, it's slightly different uh, but we're still there to advise. And, and what we found locally, that any reputable funeral director will, will assist a family and there is limited or sometimes no charge whatsoever. So um, I do sometimes phone funeral directors on behalf of families just to, to find out some information, especially if they live a little bit away from Derby mm. and, and need just that person to link in with. Mm. How long do you sort of tend to stay involved with families does can it go for years i wonder it can go on for quite a while um often because a lady will then become pregnant again yep. um my role is really open-ended i i leave the families with an open-ended system of like you can call me if you want if it gets to a particular time of the year and you need some more support even if it's months down the line mm. that's absolutely fine um, and I think having that reassurance often means that they don't call because they know they can. Yeah. Uh, equally, we've got a really good relationship with um, a local charity that provides bereavement counselling for parents and with Derby Sands. So often if they get really good support at the time, they don't need so much support from myself going down the line. So if I don't hear the front back from them, it's usually because they've gone and found other other ways of being supported 
but knowing that they can come back to me if they need. So for some people, I don't hear from them again. Mm. Other people, there's quite a lot of contact mm. to begin with until they start to find where they are in their new normal. Mm. And if and if so, they can keep coming back to me. Mm. And then often in, they'll ring me when they're very early pregnant and feel that they need somebody to support them through those early weeks whilst they're waiting for appointments to happen. Mm. And uh, I would again echo that because I think we found that sort of very helpful because obviously when you've lost a child and you get pregnant again, there's that real dread and anxiety about that and I think having people to sort of be able to to know what's gone on previously and support is incredibly helpful um you mentioned sort of charities there there do seem to be an awful lot of sort of charities um the one that we sort of got involved with was something called saying goodbye which is a relatively smallish charity compared to say Derby Sands Mm. um is having lots of charities a good thing or a bad thing, or what are your thoughts on that? There are a lot of baby loss charities, and I choose myself to work with just a few of them because it, otherwise it might get quite complicated. Mm. So I might work with ARC or SANS because they are the ones that I would refer patients to. Um, but I suppose if you to think about the world of bereavement, then the more that people can access and the more choice they have, perhaps that's better because, you know, a SANS group might not be what's right for everybody. Mm. Some people prefer an online forum. Some people prefer face-to-face, but um, without anybody in a group. Other people like groups because Mm. it takes away the isolation. So I would say that having more is probably a good option for the families but I also know that it's a bit of a minefield for the families when they're trying to explore what it is that they feel they need themselves, mm. yeah. So who, do, are there any, you sort of mentioned Sand, are there any other particular groups that you direct families towards? Or? In Derby, we're very fortunate that we've got a charity called the Laura Centre, um, which is based in Derby, Leicester, Nottingham, Coventry. And the Laura Centre provide free bereavement counselling specifically for either children that have lost a parent Mm. or a parent that's lost a child so I refer anybody that feels they need more than a support group and specific bereavement counselling to the Laura Centre and I know they get high quality really good bereavement counselling from them Uh, for other midwives in other areas I don't know Mm. what they would do because I don't know what I would do without the Laura Centre because I guess I say one of the concerns i guess about having lots and lots and lots of charities is you can never be quite sure the quality no. i guess with bigger ones you've got a reasonable idea that actually yes uh, there's but, some safeguarding there isn't there and i do work closely with derby sands and I'm, i am on the committee as a silent member i don't hmm. get involved with the contact with the families because i feel that would not be fair on the families really but, but then um, when i'm with derby sands on the committee i can we can work out what what is needed locally and um, I know the governance behind it so I feel secure and when we are referring families to them I know that that's a good quality service to refer into. Okay Um, and we said we were talking today because today is the 15th of October it marks the end of baby loss awareness week. Um, There's always lots of weeks it's rheumatology week or international sausage day or whatever these things. Is it important to have this, do you think? 
To the families, it is important. And as the bereavement midwife for Derby, I've had to tread very carefully around Baby Loss Awareness Week because what you don't want is to hurt families or families to feel insulted or um, annoyed. But on the whole, the feedback for... Um, having Baby Loss Awareness Week recognised within our hospital has been really positive mm. and the feedback from social networking has said that it shows that the hospital cares about them and cares about the babies, which is all we really wanted to happen was to show that we do care, mm. that families have gone through a baby loss, whether that be miscarriage, termination for fetal abnormality, stillbirth, neonatal death or SIDS, mm. you know, later baby loss. So we want people to know that we care, but we have to be very mindful that not everybody might feel the same way. Mm. And what sort of things do, do you do for, for this week? So this week we have done some training for staff and obviously we were very lucky that Skanska facilitated us to for the second year running to light up the hospital. Mm. So that was for the public. Um, we've done in-house training for staff. We uh, are having a wave of light for staff tonight and that's particularly because we wanted to give something back to the staff for either those that have lost a baby themselves or those that work with families mm -hmm. um, going through a baby loss. We wanted to show some support. We've had um, a remembrance service over at Burton and we've had a Sands memory walk on Sunday. We've also had a gym session on Saturday morning where we invited all ladies to come in pink and blue to just raise the awareness of, of baby loss. So we've had quite a busy week, but it's been a gently busy week mm. and it's been very respectful and it's been the feedback has been very positive so i think we've i think we've done an okay job mm. it's about getting a balance right yes. isn't it there of not yes. sort of shoving things down no. people's throats because actually for a lot of people they might not yes be ready or want to right. to sort of do this um you've mentioned briefly then uh, the the wave of light what what's that so globally we're invited to light a candle at 7 p.m in real time wherever you are and um, that that candle is to remember a baby or babies um, and that candle is supposed to burn for an hour in remembrance and that's supposed to show us that we're all united in baby loss um, so we'll be doing that tonight in the ITU garden here and okay. um, we've got maternity staff coming but also staff from all over the hospital mm. for their own personal reasons and we'll be having a small service the chaplain is attending and it's to show support to the staff but also to allow us to have our own time of reflection okay brilliant so people are able to do that tonight that would be fantastic okay. lovely okay well angela thank you so much for, for joining me this morning i really appreciate it you're very time. welcome thank okay. you